What's good, everyone? It's the Puerto Rican Powerhouse back at it again. The Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary himself, Christian Joel Ramos. And I'm back at it again with a wrestling review this time. So I'm actually reviewing TakeOver Portland, NXT TakeOver Portland. And I haven't done the TakeOver in a bit, but then again, TakeOvers don't happen so often. So it's actually good to review these things because they're quarterly and... I can get really deep inside these matches, and boy, with the were these matches litty like a left titty. Like it was a good lineup. I gotta say, Triple H and uh, the team at NXT put a show. They tore the house down. I had high anticipations for NXT Portland because, first off, being in this big arena really gave it that larger than life vibe that NXT desperately needs. And, like, I love the NXT roster. I love the talent they have. But the Full Sail Stadium is, I mean, it's just not big enough, man. Like, this is the thing about, I don't want to get into the whole comparisons of uh, AEW and NXT, but the one thing that makes NXT seem smaller than life is the fact that the Full Sail Arena is so small. They have to start touring because these guys deserve it they are there everyone who's on nxt the show itself not just the performance centers but people that are actually on the show deserve to be be in a bigger audience because i would love them to come into you know the lowell uh, or boston area for a show because i remember a couple years ago they were at the uh low auditorium the infamous low auditorium that uh sean michaels uh, left because and then lost his uh, smile years back in raw and then they moved to the Songas Arena because it got bigger. So I can't wait for them to tour again because it's been such a long time since they toured. Like the last time they were here, I think Ricochet was still on NXT and Samoa Joe became the champion. That's how long ago it was. Like it's been that long since they have been touring. Like I don't know what the formatting of NXT is, but they've been primarily stable in one headquarters. And I miss when they did regional tours. So once they come back to the area, which I know it's in summertime because that's when they take over before SummerSlam. I'm definitely going to be there. I'm going to be at the NXT show, so I'll be doing a review for that. I'm going to try to be at the SummerSlam show because I think that's going to be worth seeing live. So if I can get tickets for both events, that would be amazing because just to see the uh, uh, SmackDown or Raw or, or roster and NXT roster all like in the same place and hopefully meet and greets and whatnot. And maybe I'll pass some cue cards around for the, you know, for the uh, fans in attendance. I want to make sure that I take this wrestling podcasting seriously. And one thing I'm going to refrain from is comparisons. I don't want to do that comparisons thing. I, I'm not that guy. I honestly, like, let, let me be straight up. Like, I deadass hate the comparisons of companies because they're both vastly different guys. Like, let's just be honest. TNT and USA are completely different entities. The way they do their business it, there's no real correlation between NXT and AEW besides the time slot. So enough of the comparisons. Let them be their own shows. Enjoy. Just be happy there's more options, more wrestling out there. Like you have NWA on Tuesday, AEW Dark on Tuesday, Impact on Tuesday. You don't hear anybody argue about those three coexisting. So let's just all enjoy what we like. If you don't like one or the other, that's fine by me. I don't give a damn which one you like. End of the day, they're both good programs that have different, unique things that they bring to the table. And I watch them both. I try to watch them both, but it's kind of hard to do this because 
I'm really deep into NWA as well, and I'm also trying to watch SmackDown Raw, and it's just a lot of wrestling, and I got other things to review, like TV shows and movies. So, that being said, let's get to the actual reason we're here to review TakeOver Portland. Now, this is the first time the NXT brand has been in the Pacific Northwest for a show like this, and that's another reason why I was super hyped. Now, I almost had the opportunity to go to TakeOver Brooklyn a few years ago, uh, when they did the first, second, and third one. And I kept he being hesitant about getting tickets for it because of the whole, you know, trying to get a hotel room in New York City or trying to get there and back the same weekend. It's just, New York isn't cheap at all, even though it's only three hours away by, you know, by train or by bus or even driving. It's just the hassle of having to spend money on food and hotel stay. It's just a lot to take in. It's not just the ticket you're paying for, unless you're going to, literally drive there the same night and come back it's gonna be a lot to take in so the fact that the pacific northwest got a takeover you know this crowd was hot for it they haven't seen the nxt brand like this in a the big um motorsport motocross arena they had and i was just hyped to see what these guys were like gonna bring to the table because the build-up was insane so the show definitely started off with a bang with the two hosses you had the limitless man himself, Keith Lee, defending his NXT North American Championship against Dominic Dajakovic. And these two guys have been at it since PWG, from what I understand. And whenever they go against each other, they put on a show. Like, this is like definitely a straight rivalry that I hope transcends into the main roster. Because these guys definitely bring some swagger to the table. Like, these guys definitely have the 205 like cruiserweight move sets for big hosses like these dudes should not be doing this shit like straight up i did not think keith lee a man of his stature and size was able to do moonsaults like like a ricochet or like gargano or it's just crazy and then dominic dajakovic is a, such a long-legged man this guy is definitely a big time ticket guy he's gonna be a big main event guy for sure once vince gets his hand on him hands on him because he seems like the kind of guy that vince really could use because not only is he super tall and he's got a definitely good size to him but he's agile he can do flips like he's a cruiserweight he's just something to really feast your eyes on no pun intended because this guy is definitely the real deal and keith lee's no schlub either so this matchup between these two was actually very good to see because Keith Lee being such a dominant force in NXT, this big, bigger-than-life juggernaut, like, you know, Herculean-sized guy that literally built up to be, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe with Brock Lesnar at this year's Rumble was great to see that they kept that momentum going. They kept, you know, kept that heat on, you know, kept, kept that fire going because I want Keith Lee to be a big guy in the business and... He is definitely somebody who deserves it because he works his ass off to go in that ring and really hang in tough with anyone he's gone against. He makes everyone look great in the ring. And Dominic Dajakovic, a mass native from uh, outside of Worcester in Lumberg, Luxembourg. I don't know what the town that he's from. I know it's a small town outside of Worcester. He is a beast. He definitely trained around this area too. I believe he's an alumni of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, which is based out of outside of North Andover, Mass., right outside of Lawrence, Mass., my hometown. This guy is definitely the real deal. So seeing these two guys go at it was pretty dope. Like, I love to see that they really treat these guys, like, bigger than life, like a big fight night ticket. And this is how you start the show? This is wild to me. Like, how does it get any better than this? Because it's definitely something uh, to see. And um, this matchup was crazy. For all the kicks and flips and, all, I mean, the 
there was a feast your eyes by the third rope where Dominic took uh, Keith Lee, and I'm like thinking to myself, his knees must have some amazing training. This guy must be doing crazy squats if he's able to lift this man off from the third buckle like nothing and, and pull it off. And there was a lot of near falls in this match that you didn't know who was going to win it. A lot of back and forth that I thought was pretty dope that they really made, played it out that, you know, it's not just another repeat of NXT episodes. This is straight up, you know, they come in to scrap. They come in to throw hands. And they threw hands, giant bear-sized paws. And, like, my lord, just the slaps. You can hear, like, Walter-like slaps. These guys got giant bear hands. And it, it's literally Godzilla versus King Kong. And I, I cannot wait to see this feud goes because at the end of the day, they finally got it settled. And Keith Lee ended up the victor in the match. And they had a nice, like, um, sportsman-like, you know, handshake. And he even had Dominic go on the third rope and, like, face the audience because... He earned his keep. Like they, this really brought up Dominic stock up because when he was here just a year ago, he was just some guy at a Ring of Honor that was big, big whoop. He's another big guy that they can use in the performance center. But now he's definitely a standout. Not knocking his hustle because he definitely was good at Ring of Honor, but to be good at NXT is a whole different animal because those smart marks that live in that area, they know who they they can tell who's gonna be the next big deal and who's not. Because a lot of those guys are the ones who are buying the belts, who are buying the shirts, who are online on Twitter promoting these guys, like literally self-promotion, like they're helping your brand go better than it should. So if you can get the smart marks to go behind you, then you can get any crowd behind you. I mean, Ala Finn Balor, who literally was a guy straight out of New Japan, but he was already got his uh, notoriety and he's definitely built something out of that before going to WWE but once he was there he kind of had to reintroduce the world to who this man is and who this version of Prince Devitt was and I'm glad to see that version kind of transcended back to NXT when he was brought from the main roster back to NXT to repackage himself but let's not go too far let's just figure this out let's just go right to the main, the card so Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic had me at the edge of my seat with my man was doing, Dominic did a, what was it, a 450 splash outside of the ring onto Keith Lee, who was already, like, you know, woozy in a, in a, in a desk chair. And my lord, that was the scariest, like, that was the scariest dive of the night right there. You're six foot seven, 270 pounds. What are you doing, doing dives like you're supposed to be on 205 Live? That is incredible to pull some shit like this out and just, like, pop off and, make it look good it did not look sloppy at all these guys are definitely training every day you can tell they're putting in their work and i'm loving it so i'm gonna give the star rating i'm gonna give it this match a 4.5 out of 5 star rating because it was near perfect the whole build-up of the match you just know the history of these guys whenever they get in the ring together they definitely tear the house down and they had the crowd eating at the palm of their hands so the and the respect that they suit earned just by not holding back anything it was a near perfect matchup so i definitely think this match was worth it's uh as the opening match was amazing it definitely got you all right this is where nxt portland is can it get better than this let's hope so let's hope so because we're already we're already hooked to the to our screens so the next match that we had in the lineup, let's see, because I forgot the order. I believe it was Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox. This whole team kick feud where it started months ago was definitely a great uh, matchup. A street fight between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. So we got an injured Dakota Kai that just came back. We had an injured Tegan Knox that just came back. 
and for a grudge match, a street match, it it went how, exactly how you thought it went. As Tegan was doing her entrance, Dakota was coming out of nowhere and attacking from behind. So the beginning, before the even match even started, you literally had uh, these girls just going ham outside of the, whatchamacallit, the uh, barricades. And they were just having a good time, just going at it, just scrapping all through the uh, audience as they were going in, out, in and out of the area. And then Tegan did a spot where she speared Dakota through the barricades and then they got into the ring area. And they finally go inside the ring and throw some more hands and throw more, more moves at each other. And then the street fight commences. Then there's a spot where uh, Dakota Kai goes for the, under the ring and we're assuming she's grabbing a lead pipe, kendo, uh, uh, kendo stick or something, or even a baseball bat. No, she gets a cricket bat. A very... Uh, appropriate for the both of these characters you know dakota being from new zealand and tegan being from wales cricket is their baseball so that's definitely very apropos to the, what the match went and that cricket bat now i don't know if this is a gimmick cricket bat but then again it did get hit against the steel post and it was made of wood so once it hit the wood and missed tegan it definitely just like broke and that kind of scared me because if one of those wood chips were to like get into someone's eye it's a wrap. It would have ended the fight right there. And you'd have a, uh, a emergency situation. So I'm glad that it, if it was, it was gimmick, it snapped the right way and did not go into the wrong, you know, places or God forbid it when the audience and, and got somebody. So wood's very unpredictable if you're trying to break it. So there was a great spot where Dakota was on the floor and she had a chair on her neck and Tegan doing these heel-like moves where she was gonna like destroy her neck and the audience was not booing this because this is a grudge match this is a build-up of a year of heat between these two who are former best friends now frenemies and straight-up rivals and everyone was behind this and the pop of the crowd this was a great match that everyone was in bested in because it was something different to you know usually street matches are pretty sloppy they don't really show great you know, wrestling skill. It's more of a visual fight. You know, when Roman and, and Corbin did that street fight in uh, the Royal Rumble, I wasn't really into that match because I don't really like street fight like matches because they don't really, they're, they're just kind of like messy brawls you see at bars all the time. Nothing really fancy. But this one was in and out of the ring. It definitely had some move sets that, you know, they kept it wrestling themed. It, they, they got the brawling part out the way. They went back into the ring. And a lot of it was just, you know, using foreign objects like trash cans and trash lids and using bats. Using uh, one spot Tegan had on Dakota, these cha like chains wrapped around her hands like a brass knuckle and was just going at her injured knee. And Dakota was going at Tegan with the, you know, the lid of the trash can. So this is a crazy-ass match. And this, again, these girls are fighting to compete with the last match that was on the card. So, like, everyone's trying to one-up each other and have match of the night. And that's how it should be. You should always want to have match of the night. And this match was something to visually see. So, well, one thing I should have brought up is um, the gear. Uh, I'd like to talk about the gear. I mentioned on Twitter on to uh, Tegan Knox that I liked her Captain Marvel-inspired Marvel gear. Uh, green and silver white um, wrestling attire with actual Captain Marvel logo in it, which I'm surprised they allowed her to use because I don't know if Marvel 
uh, Disney watches wrestling, but you think they would know a guy like, hey, can you like not use our logos for your gear? But then again, this is not everyday gear. This is like the once in a while pay-per-view gear that Rey Mysterious that we use. Like you do the Captain America, Daredevil, and Flash, and Batman-like, um, even Joker-like costumes. He only used those costumes like once or twice. It wasn't something she, he used on his normal repertoire. So this one, I, as much as I love this costume, it fit Tegan very well because it looked like something badass. It was like, you know, sports bra with like re regular pants that fit well. But um, the, the, the the bangles, I guess you can call them, the arm, arm uh, yeah, the bangles, you know, were very cool. It just made her look like a superhero. And Dakota came in straight up a street gear. She was just in shorts, uh, baggy tee, you know, hair braided, and boots just ready to kick ass and they, I like how they came in ready for a fight. They didn't come in for a wrestling match. They came in to throw hands, and they threw hands for days. So it was great to see these girls go at it. And end of the day, when Tegan was about to take down Dakota, who comes in? None other than uh, May Young Classic standout, the very larger-than-life tall Raquel uh, Gonzalez, who is one tall glass of water she is like six feet tall this woman is my size as, as far as height goes and i'm like this is a big lady she came in and i think she choke slammed tegan through the table that was gonna be set up for tegan to take out dakota and it wasn't the best table spot and even the audience was like yikes because it looked like a botch but the way that it looked it looked like it hurt more and i hope to god tegan didn't get hurt in their neck because Instead of breaking through the table, where it would have been probably a safer impact, it she kind of like fell and slid, and like it's almost like you hit your head into the back of a table when you fall. So I really hope there isn't a concussion there, and it's kind of dangerous to do this. I mean, I know that she was a stand on the performance center, but it's kind of a hard move to mess up when it's just a choke slam onto a table. It, I don't know if it needs a little more air or move room to like breathe, but uh, or maybe it slipped last minute. But things happened. But either way, it was effective. So now we have this alliance with Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. And Dakota's even confused. Like, why are you on my side? So obviously, I'm going to have to tune into NXT this week and figure out what this whole thing is about. New alliances are formed. So I believe Dakota took advantage of this and won. Because there are no, there's no disqualification match. So ergo, she wins by the cheap tricks. Typical heel tactics. <laughs> So next up, we have the NXT Tag Team Championship. And we get a vignette, once again, of the Broserweights. And they're off landing to Portland. And then they have their entrance. And then Matt Riddle starts his uh, brand new Bobby Fish, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck version of his uh, joke. And then from behind, well, not behind, eventually they got sick of the joke. Even the, the crowd was getting involved. That Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly were like, enough of this, let's get started. So they start brawling outside, they get within the ring, and they finally have the craziest match of the night. I think this is one of the best matches for these guys because um, it's great to see this brand new tag team that was literally Frankenstein together last minute with Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, like the odd couple, one super goofy, one super serious. But they work. They definitely work well together. It's one of those tag teams that I'd like to see continuingly to grow. And I hope it's not just a one-time ordeal. I hope he doesn't turn on Matt 
or they don't, you know, become enemies because they can't communicate well. Because these two definitely are good, great dynamic that no one expected it would work, and it actually works very well. But again, it's the whole straight man versus goofy guy, you know, it's like that ordeal. But they took it to the max against Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, who I've been tagging since they were redragging back in ROH. And it was a hard hitting, it was a fast paced um, strike fest. You had a lot of great submissions between the two uh, tag teams. We were having a Scorpion Deathlock by Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne. But at the same time, Bobby Fish had like some sort of guillotine hold on Matt Riddle. And there was a lot of reversals, and there was even a spot where uh, accidentally uh, Matt Riddle speared Pete Dunne, and Pete Dunne got Matt Riddle, and it looked like they were going to like lose because of this botch. And um, Kyle O'Reilly and, and Bobby Fish were taking advantage of these moments of these guys not being cohesive enough because they're, again, been together only for the Dusty Rhodes Classic Tournament. So beforehand, these guys were just single stars and not trying to be tag team partners. But it, it, it worked, and like they were able to meld in time to take it to the house and actually defeat the Undisputed Era and win the NXT Tag Team Championships. And it's great to see that Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish Got what they deserved, those dastardly heels. <laughs> because they were so cocky going into this. They're like, these guys have nothing to be nothing to fear. Yeah, they're good separate, but they they have no uh, chemistry like we do. And it was a definitely great match. There were parts where Pete Dunne was um, taken to the house. like He was just getting wailed on. Just so Matt Riddle can come in for the hot tag and take out both these guys single-handedly like he, he would like nothing like you figure after the Royal Rumble that Vince really was having this heavy heat on Matt that Triple H would try to make him look bad no Triple H wants Matt Riddle to be a big star so he doesn't care what Vince says maybe if Matt ever got called up to Raw or Smackdown with Vince being there he'd probably get buried but while he's in NXT we're gonna have this guy be a star he's gonna be a champ in our brand and Damn it, that's exactly what happened. Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, the Broserweights, won the NXT champion, Tag Team Championship from these guys. I mean, after winning the Dusty Classic Cup, they were, they were the best thing happening on NXT right now as far as story building and something interesting to see because there isn't much going on story-wise in NXT. It's just a lot of matches and matches upon matches. And that's great enough if you like seeing wrestling matches, but that's something you kind of want to see on YouTube. Not something you're gonna tune in for two hours a day, uh, once a, you know, once a week, to see because there's nothing that really engages you. A great match is great and all, but those are more like clips for the internet. There's something like, oh, look at this real quick. It's not something that builds a story and keeps you engaged. So I'm glad they're finally doing a good story build among these guys because not that their careers weren't going anywhere, but Matt Riddle's career was definitely shaky after. His recent comments against Goldberg, and then even more when his recent comments against Brock Lesnar, and then to be told by Brock himself, back off and stop tagging me on Twitter because you're getting annoying. That is some serious uh, speculation. You don't just tell your boss's best, you know, player, I'm gonna beat you and, and retire you. You gotta, you gotta show, you gotta earn your keep. Like Riddle. 
yes, he's physically intimidating. As much as he acts like a dumb stoner, the guy's smart. The guy definitely can hang. He got hands. I've seen him break guys' faces in UFC. I've seen him do some crazy things. He is what he is, a fighter, a mixed martial artist. And a lot of the guys in the, in the in back in the locker room cannot hang with him. But you don't poke the bear at the guy who's the big dog in the brand. I don't care what anyone says about Roman being a big dog. Brock Lesnar is the end-all, be-all for He's the money guy for Vince. And if you want that match, you got to show some humility. Because that's just the way the business is. But Riddle don't give a shit. Riddle is a business-for-himself kind of guy. And I get it because there was a comment made by Vince that people should reach for the brass ring and do what they can to stand out. If these guys want to stand out, they got to reach for the brass ring. And that's exactly what Riddle's doing. So he's reaching, reaching for that brass ring. So that it's kind of like a hypocritical thing out of Vince, but that's Vince McMahon. He's always been hypocritical. He doesn't know what he says half the time. He doesn't remember half the things he even says on top of that. So I'm glad to see these guys had a great match against Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish looked very strong in this and mind you, I think he stopped dyeing his beard because his gray beard made him look way more grizzled. I think he was inspired by Edge's Rumble appearance where he was just in with the grizzly beard himself with the grays. But he was definitely showing he could hang with guys like Matt Riddle because he does have a Muay Thai background himself. And O'Reilly also has an MMA background himself. So this match looked very stiff. It looked very real. It was like a lot of... Uh, dare I say receipts happening with these guys because they know they can take the hits and I'm glad to see that it was very competitive like the the matchup did not seem lopsided you, it did go back and forth and it was something that was worth seeing so congrats to the bros rates for being the new NXT tag champions and from here we go on to the next lineup match in the lineup which is uh, Johnny Gargano Johnny Wrestling himself Johnny Takeover versus the Prince Finn Balor and this version of Finn Balor as I mentioned earlier Finn Balor is Definitely a remix version of Prince Devitt from New Japan and a Finn from the main roster on Raw. And they definitely made this Finn seem more of a badass. He is in his element. He is more rock and roll. He's a real rock and roller here. He is not this gimmick smiley guy. He is the tough guy that he was. Like He looks as tough as he is. Super cut and, and trim and vascular. And he came in to fight. And him and Gargano had a great bout. And by gosh, Gargano, let's talk about Gargano's gear for a second. Gargano came in rocking the Carnage-inspired gear that he kind of hinted at on Instagram and Twitter. And I loved the whole, like, red, blood-red colors because he came in saying, hey, I came here to bring hell to. It ain't just you, Finn. And they had a great grudge match where they were fighting each other back and forth. A lot of great spots. You just saw everything from these guys that you know that we're going to bring to the table. Finn was trying to get... Gargano with a few moves outside of the ring, like the um, the 1996 DDT that he does, and he missed it. Gargano got Finn back with the uh, slingshot spear and the, on the rope on the apron. And there were some other spots where Finn got Gargano on the barricade with his double stomp attack, and then it was reversed, and then Gargano did it. It went all over the place. It was like a, like, you know, they were ricocheting back and forth in the rings, no pun intended, and they were just going at it to take each other out. They were not holding back. And it's great to see that they really came to play. Like, they really wanted to, again, every match this night has been about let's make our match match the night. We're not here to be second fiddle to anybody else. So they definitely were like, we're bringing the house down, and that's it. It's final. There's no questions about it. Of course, this match had a lot of near falls with the coup de gras going to the DDT, not going, and... 
Gargano with the Gargano escape. Mind you, Gargano escape when he comes out of nowhere to do a submission midair. I don't know how this man does. It. He's like Spider Man. He just comes out of nowhere and does this like Luchador style reversal that lands him to the Gargano escape. And he did it two, three times over to get Finn. And Finn wouldn't tap. And then Finn tried to get Gargano to, you know, in, in sleeper holds. And he was trying to get him to like, not exactly tap, but like the double stomp constantly into the chest to get him to, you know, to stay down for a pin. And it was a, it was a hard hitting match. And it looked like both of them were in there to win it. And and at the end, Finn Balor was victorious, and he took it. That he took it. He brought it to Johnny Gargano and showed him who the real main event is at Takeover. And then he had to do the heel tactics where he was just rubbing it in his face, standing over him. And Johnny was like, "Hey, move, get out of the way." He's really playing to the heel character. And sadly, there was no. Um, Hint at a Scarlet Bordeaux or Killer Cross interplay. Like, we did not see them at this takeover. They weren't introducing the crowd at any point. And I really thought, personally, they were going to be part of Finn's faction. That's where I thought it was going. But you know what? We do have one more takeover before Mania, and that's Takeover Tampa. So who knows if Takeover Tampa is when they debut uh, Scarlet Bordeaux and Killer Cross as part of Finn's um, new faction. Now, this is not confirmed. This is not speculation. It's not dirt cheat stuff. This is my vision of what I want to see. Because from what I've seen, Scarlet throws the X, Killer Cross throws the X, and of course, Prince Finn Balor has an X on his damn jacket and a new logo stuff. So I'm assuming they're trying to hint they're going to be a new faction. And I think that would be a pretty badass faction. You got the big guy, his girl, and you got Finn. And I could say you could add one more person into the group. I don't know who at this point they could add to make part of this like new faction, but we'll have to wait and see how this thing's played out. If they actually all join up together, or if this X thing is just like coincidence, because I really think the Red X is a very weird coincidence to be, to be honest. So the next match on the card, we got a lineup with the uh, NXT Women's Championship, or should I just call it the NXT Championship because there's no longer the name Women's Attached. I don't know if it's uh, if it's just what's going on, but whatever. It's the NXT Championship with Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. And Rhea came in looking strong. Bianca came in with her own custom gear because she is her own gear maker. And being Black History Month, she made a cape that had writing on the back that said, that said, I'm Black History in the making. And damn right she is. She definitely came in and tore the house down. And she wanted to show after the few weeks of NXT buildup that she's not just somebody to watch by, that she's actually somebody to watch because she is going to bring it. And she definitely brought it. Seeing Rhea and Bianca together, this is something I want to see at the Mania level. Like, I kind of want to see this Charlotte match with Rhea Ripley end up somehow becoming a triple threat match with Bianca because I think she's ready for the main roster. She is definitely someone that needs to be um, used wisely because they could definitely use her on SmackDown. The roster there needs to switch up ASAP. There isn't much going on there. They definitely need someone like Bianca to really uh, jumpstart and make things a little bit more competitive because Bailey's running out of good competitive athletes to go against. And I think once Bailey washes Carmella at Super Showdown, it's not going to be really a competitive match. I think it's going to be a quick match, to be 100% honest, because so many factors to think about. I mean, when uh, Natalia and Lacey were getting bottles, plastic bottles thrown at them the last Super Showdown, being the first ever women's match, I think they want to make sure this match is quick and done 
do the entrances in like a good five or ten minute match and just get these ladies out of there on the plane as fast out of Saudi Arabia to the States or somewhere safe because if shit hits the fan again like the last time because Vince is this freaking tyrant of a man who does not understand how politics work. I don't want anything bad to happen to these ladies. So I think they're going to have that match probably be the opener and get them out of there as soon as possible, which is probably the safest thing to think about. So after that, I want to see Bianca versus uh, Bailey, even if it's not at Mania, maybe post Mania as a you know as a uh, open challenge kind of thing. Because I think at Mania it's going to probably be Naomi versus uh, Bailey. And if you're going to have um, Becky, actually, if you're going to have Becky go against Shayna at Mania, I think Becky's going to lose to Shayna. But that's all about the booking. But if that's what happens, I think you're going to have Bailey. Retain. You gotta have someone retain somebody lose. Unless you're gonna have everyone change titles, which is gonna be crazy. Uh, it's gonna be a tough call. But I'm not gonna I'm not here for baited predictions. I'm just here for just saying what I want for the future of the women's rosters from here on out. Because NXT's women's divisions is so overly stacked, they have enough space to move some women up to the Raw and SmackDown at this point, who desperately need these athletes to be there to really hold against, hold their own, and really show what they're doing. And I'm glad the next generation from the Performance Center really is hanging in there with the guys and th throwing great matches. So, end of the day, Rhea Ripley and uh, Bianca Belair, as they were both doing their crazy move sets and, you know, spots with, you know, dives and everything and not holding back, it was a solid 4.0 match. It wasn't anything spectacular. It wasn't anything terrible. It was definitely a solid wrestling match, but it wasn't... I mean, again... It's not about doing all the flips and stuff because Rhea's not known for flips. And but Bianca is, though. So, but it's just the matchup of these two giant women who would like are Amazons who definitely can hang and carry each other and, you know, throw each other against these ropes. And Bianca was there to prove that she could hang against Rhea because Rhea was looking past her to go through, right through Charlotte's for Mania. And that was one of those things I was not a fan of. I hate when they do this whole, like, oh, we're going to have your Mania opponent uh, talk to you, but you're. Current opponent is just there on the side, like, really? You're all going to pretend like I'm not going to win this? No, I didn't think she was going to win this at all. I thought she was going to lose. Because of that whole thing that happened in NXT, it's like you're kind of you know, foreshadowing what's going to happen, that you're pushing aside Bianca Belair, literally, to have Rhea versus uh, Charlotte and Mania, and you're not giving the chance for this new athlete to stand out. Again, if this becomes a triple threat, I hope to God it does somehow, some way, or maybe... Money in the bank at Mania, like, you never know. You never know what could happen at Mania. You could have Charlotte win the NXT title, and then Bianca Belair, if she's in the Money in the Bank match, uses it, pulls herself Rollins, and just spears her real quick, one finisher, and then, you know, becomes the woman's champ. That would be a crazy moment, because when that happened back in 2015, I think it was, it was great to see something like that that was, like, spontaneous to close a showdown. It was like, you're finally building a new character here. You're not just doing the same old thing. So I hope there is a good feature for Bianca Belair, but this was this was a better match of hers, I will say, and but it wasn't anything like oh wow this match is off like it was a good match. It wasn't a great match. I think the Tegan Knox and the Kodokai match was a little bit more interesting. The elements of it, the crowd was really involved. This one was solid. It was standard powerhouse wrestling. It was some great spots with the uh, hair whip and you know the holds and. You know, Bianca not giving up and coming back from a few um, strong uh, avalanche uh, riptides. 
and she looks strong. Like she lost, but she looks strong. And it was a great lineup with these two because it definitely is gonna. This is the beginning, I think, of this like feud with these two. These two are gonna definitely be feuding on the main roster eventually, and I can't wait to see where their futures lie because they're both young. They're both super young. To think both of these are like both these girls are like not even in their mid twenties yet. Maybe Bianca is. 25 or 26 i forget but Rhea's like 23 or 24 which is nuts to think this young woman is already at the top of the woman's roster like she went past nxc uk and now she's nxc and i will say she'll be in the main roster next year guaranteed because she is money same with bianca no shade bianca is money but bianca has got a longer road ahead of her because the build-up they're gonna have for her is not the same as Rhea's because of the whole Survivor Series. I mean, even though Rumble, she was the best standout in the Rumble match. I don't think they have plans for Bianca just yet. But when they do, she's definitely going to go to the main roster and kick ass. So I can't wait to see both these women to really bring down the house. And that comment that Sam Roberts made like a year and a half, two years ago, like crowds in the, in the, in the stands were definitely still giving him heel heat. Like they really are mad that he made that comment, but it was facts. Like, at that time, Bianca was not ready to be main eventing uh, NXT TakeOver. But this time, she definitely was ready. And she definitely did her thing. Like, she went in there. She was like, I'm I'm going to show you, like, who's who's a, who's going to be the top of this mountain end of the year. And she is definitely a contender. So I can't wait to see where this match up, matchup lines up with these two girls, these two strong women who come into tear down the house and hold their own who did a fantastic job solid wrestling match where this storyline goes with these two because it can go anywhere at this point which is what i love about mania season anything can happen things are very unpredictable and i'm glad that it's that way and not how you know it's not too cookie cutter like it's definitely something that's gonna have some build-up so i can't wait to see where their future is in hands and now for the main event Tommaso Ciampa versus Adam Cole Bebe. This was a crazy-ass match. But the one pet peeve I had, too many damn near falls. NXT specifically is obsessed, and I mean obsessed, with dramatic near falls. And I get it. It builds drama. It definitely adds to storytelling elements. But for God's sake, this match felt like it went 10 minutes over. It was a great match. I'm just going to... Let me start off with the star rating. Because I'm going to ramble for a bit. I definitely give this match a 4.5. It was amazing. What kept it from being a 5.5-star match was the sheer fact that there was too many near falls with towards the end of the, the, the matchup. Too many reversals. Too many... Like, listen. There's a point where sometimes we don't need an hour-long match for it to be good. And this match could have been a few minutes shorter and accomplished exactly what he needed to accomplish because it was an amazing, impeccable matchup. Tommaso Ciampa versus Adam Cole. It was the main event match of the night for sure. And it was something crazy because they definitely did some callbacks to Tommaso's neck injury with Adam Cole, like, powerbombing him and doing his Panama Sunrise off the apron and to the, to the, uh, to the tables, the announcer tables. And there was a lot of great dives from Tommaso and back and forth with the super kicks i mean the match went so damn long that Tommaso's face was tomato red and his veins were so predominantly like visible on his head looked like they were about to explode like anime characters like veins and i was like yo these guys are putting themselves through a freaking 
war. And once again, I know there's a lot of stiff competition between all of them. Like, everyone wants to put in the match of the night. The North American Championship was not something easily to top. The uh, street fight was, was was decently well. The women's title match definitely did not hold back. They definitely did some crazy moves they were going for. And, of course, Finn and, Finn and Gargano were there doing their thing. Also trying to have match of the night. But sad, sad to say everybody else. The match of the night was definitely Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa. And it was a crazy matchup because Tommaso looked amazing. And then he looked like he was legitimately hurt from many angles. And I cannot wait to see them go at it when they get called up. Because I know Tommaso was called up and refused to. But Adam Cole is main event ready. He definitely showed that he's got the chops to be on SmackDown or Raw. Preferably SmackDown, to be honest, because they could use a guy like him on it. They could use the whole Undisputed Era. With Roderick Strong already losing his North American Championship. With the um, O'Reilly and Fish losing the tag belts. I really thought Adam Cole was going to lose his match because it would have finally fulfilled their prophecy of what they have to do. They have nothing left to prove at NXT. And now they can move up to either SmackDown or Raw as a unit, not just one or the other. But Champa was selling injuries left and right. I mean, it looked like certain points that like this thing was definitely like stiff hitting. It was something worth seeing because, oh my Lord, Champa was just getting hurt with his neck and Cole was there just no matter what he did he couldn't get this guy to you know stay down and for the one two three count and he even got one of his arms severely hurt to the point where it became useless and he still managed to do this fairytale ending by just moving his hand over to just you know in place where he can do the move and he tried to you know submit Adam Cole and Adam Cole was not giving in and it wasn't until the Undisputed Era came in to you know interrupt that that didn't end the match because obviously this is they were distracting the ref or whatever. But then Gargano came out, and when Johnny came out, we thought he was there to, you know, rally and give him morale boost to Tommaso Ciampa. But after a hard hitting match with these guys, it was just again going back and forth with the dives and the, the crazy uh, suplexes and and, and and Canadian destroyers and a lot of apron spots. There was even one spot that I saw where Adam Cole was making fun of. Tommaso and Tommaso, you know, doing his signature taunt that he that he claps in the apron. Tommaso came and hit him hard and was just taking him to the house in the damn uh, barricades by the by the by the, the announcers tables. And then he was finally sitting in the apron doing his little taunt where he was clapping and mocking his opponent, like that's how you do it. And again, there you, it, it looked like it was this match was going either way because it took what two last shots to take out Tommaso. It took. This the whole his whole art like art artillery of of move sets to take out this guy. It was he was like a big boss in the end of a video game. Like he would just not stay down. And it wasn't until Gargano interfered and took Goldie from Tommaso because the belt ended up in the ring because Adam Cole wasn't using it. You know to hit, you know when the ref wasn't looking to hit Tommaso and to get him pinned, it was Gargano who in the end turned on Tommaso and hit him in the head. Thus, get, allowing Adam to pin the one, two, three, and they both look so fairly exhausted. This match went again, felt like an Iron Man match. It was an hour long bout that should have been 10 minutes shorter and would have accomplished what it needed to do. Whew, that's a lot to say right there. It's a lot to inhale, but the Panama Sunrise and the apron that scared a crap out of me because, again, we're calling back to Tommaso's neck injury, his near 
career-ending neck injury. Similar to when Edge was hit on Raw with a concerto by, concerto by Randy Orton. We didn't want to see these guys end their careers too soon. We wanted them to stick around for a few more years. So I couldn't wait to see how this bout was going to end. I wanted Tommaso to get Goldie. In the end, we didn't get our just desserts. And uh, Cole remained victorious. So now I'm speculating, are the Undisputed Era going to all get called up? Regardless, is Adam Cole going to now lose the title at TakeOver Tampa right before Mania? And then he will debut on the Raw or SmackDown after Mania. And that, that's when they all will pop up. That's my prediction right there. Because if you're going to have a takeover right before Mania, literally the day before, there's going to be some big stakes going on. And I'm thinking this is where we're going to see some regime changes. We're going to see some, you know, graduations from NXT to Raw or SmackDown. We're going to see some performance center guys finally move up to NXT. And as it should be. Again, it's like going to college or high school as the old class is ready to move on to the next phase in life. The new class comes in to fill the void. So this show definitely tore the house down. And I can't wait to see where this uh, whole feud starts again up with Champa and, and uh, Gargano because of him interrupting his main event, his chance to finally get Goldie back, that he never lost the belt. He had to give up because of injury. That Adam Cole never won. He never beat Champa, And we would have had a definitive victory. Instead, we got heel tactics on both sides and another double cross. Is this a third heel turn for Johnny Gargano? Like, at this point, how many times is he going to turn on Champa? Like, is it just like a blood feud between these guys? Are they like Goku and Vegeta? They're going to constantly just beat each other's throats. It's like Sasuke and Naruto. They just are friends, but they're also enemies. Like, they do not know where they stand. And you know what? This is NXT for you. One day you're friends. The next moment you turn your back on them, you're enemies. So... I thought this whole DIY reunion was going to be something long, of longevity, but boy, did I! they didn't even play it out for more than a month. So my this has been my review of TakeOver Portland. It's been one of the most fun events I've seen on, you know, in wrestling in a, in a while, and I'm glad that these matches were... Mind you, this is only four or five matches, just like every TakeOver, but every match delivered. There wasn't no shenanigans. Well, I mean, towards the end there was, because, you know, heel tactics, but... It was straight bout. It was a fight card. It They all came to play, and no one looked like they were slumping. Everybody was on point with their moves. Everybody was doing the best of their abilities and well-polished matchup. And I can't wait to see how team TakeOver Tampa looks because TakeOver Tampa is going to have a lot to live up to from Portland because Portland was definitely a show of Giants. Uh, momentum and build and also caliber of matches like these guys were all athletic the girls too of course but you know i say guys it's kind of like a gender neutral term for me so if i say guys i mean everyone so everyone came through and they all brought down the house and again there were no mess ups and everyone was tip-top shape looking phenomenal for fight ready and i'm glad because it's been a while since we had a takeover, and I'm glad this one delivered. And to be the first one in this area, in the Pacific Northwest, they definitely gave the crowd what their money's worth. So this has been my review of NXT TakeOver Portland. If my voice sounds terrible, it's because I'm still, like, getting over this cold, so don't mind me. This has been the Puerto Rican Powerhouse. Wow, my voice sounds horrible. This has been the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the mic for hire. 
Christian Joel Ramos, the podcast mercenary. Thank you for listening to this review of NXT TakeOver Portland. And until next time, take care. <laughs>